Section 28 of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint. Part 4 The Queen of Life. Chapter 15 Back. By the time Smith had driven the strange craft fifty yards, he had it under control. Billy glanced back. Estra was out on the balcony now, and the mob was surging against the windows she had locked against them. She shifted the baby to the hollow of one arm, while with the other she broke the cord of the packet. At the sight the crowd in the street gave voice. "'Let us have it!' they were crying. They drowned out the uproar within the house. Estra did not even look at the other car. Then the windows gave way. Like the breaking of a dam, a flood of Venusians poured and tumbled at Estra's feet. She raised her hand and shouted something Billy could not hear. Then scarcely, without pause, the crowd bore down upon her. And even as she was crushed against the railing, with one hand she dropped the baby to eager upstretched arms below, and with the other she tossed the package high in the air. There it broke apart, the air caught it, and the thousands of leaflets fluttered down upon that street full of sympathizers. Leaflets, each of which described a discovery which was to give to women the power of abolishing the opposite sex, of making Venus a world not only one in country, one in industry, and one in thought, but one in sex. The thunderous meaning of Estra's last action almost made Billy forget that it was, in truth, the woman's last act, for next moment her lifeless form was being crushed beneath the feet of that supremely cultured, marvelously civilized mob. For it was only a mob, despite its astounding advancement, a mob which had retained all the brute's fanaticism and all the male jealousy of the female. For they were all men. The four had been on Venus almost twenty-four hours, when Smith, knowing the condition of the machinery in the cube, warned the others that they must return. Secretly he was tired of the Venusians' continual smiling, for they had fairly outdone each other to show the visitors all that could be shown. But it was Van Emmon who thought to ask for Estra's wonderful library. "'These chemicals and metals you are giving us,' he said, making a regular speech of it, "'are extremely welcome. They will enable us to perform experiments otherwise out of our reach.' But Esther's books will mean still more to the people of the earth. If there is no one else with more need for them, who is going to put in a claim? Then why not let us have them? Apparently the Venusians did not like the idea very well. They must have thought it was like letting a monkey play with a rifle, the doctor afterward put it. But for lack of a leader with any motive for objecting, and because Estra had no living relatives to claim the library, Somehow that incredible collection of intellectual gems got into the possession of the four. Nothing was said about it during the quiet leave-taking, and when the cube finally rose away from the roof, Van Emmon's face beamed with happiness, and a great sigh of satisfaction escaped him. Well, looking at the books, they kind of make up for the fact that the folks didn't ask us to call again. And he turned and went straight to the kitchenette, 
where he proceeded with great speed and efficiency to set out the following. Canned soup, canned baked beans, fried bacon and egg, coffee, peaches. "'Come and get it!' he shouted. The doctor tore himself away from the books. Smith crawled out from the beloved machines. Billy came shortly from her cubbyhole and slipped into her seat in a highly excited manner. There was a brightness in her cheeks, and a noticeable change in her usual assured manner. This timidity, so utterly new to the girl, seemed most pronounced whenever Van Emmon chanced to look at her, which was quite often. All four were ravenous. They had been away from the cube a day and a night, and all we had to eat was something to drink, as Smith complained. Nothing whatever was said except, "'Please pass that, and thanks,' for fully fifteen minutes. At last they were satisfied. The doctor went back to the books. Smith returned to his oil-can and wrench. But Billy stood by the table and began helping Van Emmon to clear up. In a moment they were face to face. "'Van,' she said softly, and looked up at him wistfully, "'Van, do you like me better this way?' Her eyes were almost piteous. Into the man's face there came a look of amazement, followed by one of admiration, and another of genuine delight. He gave a little laugh, and unconsciously threw out his hands. "'Much better, Billy.' Neither of them cared a particle whether Smith or the doctor saw that Billy, very simply and naturally, walked right into Van Emmon's arms. "'Much better. Besides, you're really too graceful.' to wear anything else. End of section 28 End end of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint